listening to United and Resilient, a podcast designed to help heal and support the El Paso community. Hello, I'm your host, Mariana Sierra, Outreach Coordinator for the El Paso United Family Resiliency Center, a program of United Way of El Paso County. We are dedicated to serve those who were impacted directly or indirectly by August 3rd. Join us on the journey to long-term recovery as we have honest conversations with local leaders, mental health specialists, and fellow El Pasoans who share their stories and expertise. We feature topics that influence and impact the vitality and resilience of our community. We are El Paso United, and together we heal. Juntos sanamos. Dear listener, before we begin, a note of warning. The topic we're about to explore contains a mention of the mass casualty event and a description of the events that unfolded thereafter. This episode may not be suitable for everyone. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to United and Resilient. Thank you so much for tuning in today. In past episodes, we have discussed non-traditional therapies. And at the FRC, we strongly believe that non-traditional therapies can support traditional therapy. Research shows that non-traditional therapies can even boost the positive effects of traditional therapy. We have partnered with different organizations in the community to provide programming in non-traditional therapies that encourages healing and most of all resiliency. For this episode, we talked to one of our wonderful partners, Creative Kids. Creative Kids is a local nonprofit educational community-based art agency located here in El Paso. Throughout this episode, we'll discuss the importance of providing a safe space where children can express their emotions through art. We also talk about the benefits of art therapy and how it can boost children's mental health. Joining me today, we have the amazing dynamic duo, Drea Gates Ingle and Stephen Ingle. Welcome. Hi, yes, I'm Andrea Gates-Engel. I'm the executive director and co-founder of Creative Kids. I'm Stephen Engel. I am the uh, co-founder and creative director for Creative Kids. Awesome. Well, guys, welcome and thank you so much for joining our podcast. We're really excited to learn more about Creative Kids and the mission that you guys have and how beneficial it can be for our community. Tell me a little bit about the history and the background of Creative Kids, how it came about. Go ahead, Drea. So uh, Creative Kids is a 22-year-old nonprofit founded by Stephen and myself. Um, And so it was founded when we were both University of Texas at El Paso UTEP students. I was uh, studying special ed and Stephen was an art uh, major. And so I was doing my my teaching blocks out in Canutillo with my special ed students and we didn't have art um, in the school. So I had invited him since he was an artist, come teach my kids. And uh, I just saw just life-changing things happening just in a three-hour span uh, with Stephen teaching these kids um, painting. We painted a beautiful mural, which we still have uh, on canvas. And so from there, uh, we were like, we should try to do this for more kids. We were super young and energetic and enthusiastic and let's start a nonprofit. Why not? 
Um, and so from there, um, the El Paso Times got a hold of what these two uh, students from UTEP were trying to do. And then the hospital, uh, Providence Hospital, reached out to us and said, do you want to try this uh, with pediatric oncology patients? And so it was just going to be a pilot for a week. Um, and a week has turned into 22 years. Yeah. And then... You know, once we got into the hospital, we figured out, you know, we could do something for kids that are in criminal justice situations, kids that are fighting economic challenges, kids in rural areas, kids in after school programs, kids that just love art in general. And so we found it as a as a way to not only communicate, but bring kids in um, that might need support and have other skill sets that need to be brought to the front so that they feel valid. And it's just such a, a beautiful thing to watch somebody being able to express themselves and show their talent. And so it just, it becomes addictive. You almost live it and breathe it every day because you know how great it is for the kids. And also you get this energy out of it that's just, it's unmatched. I mean, I got to tell you, it's one of my favorite things uh, to do. So. And we always tell people we're not trying to pump out artists and these kids. It's really just giving them a well-rounded um, education, communication skills, life skills. There's just so much that's behind the arts. Well, I also think it builds problem solving and it's, it's the way of the future. I think, you know, kids coming up with great ideas, the technology movement that's happening, creativity is a key to coming up with good ideas. And so I just think it's going to be assisting them in their future and developing them in, in many ways. So it's such a valuable tool for the kids. Awesome. And I saw somewhere in social media, a napkin that creative kids started oh, yeah. from a napkin. And I don't know if you can share that story with us. That's a crazy story. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell you how this, this went about. I was about ready to go into work one day. Telemarketing. And, and it was a telemarketing job. I mean, when you're a student, it's like, Dude, I got to make money. So I was in the car with Dre, I was dropping me off and, and she goes, okay, we're here. And I go, well, I'm, I'm not getting out. And she goes, what do you mean? I go, I am not going in there. There's no way I could go in there again. And she's like, you're kidding. You just quit. I go, I just quit my job. I just can't do it. And I didn't tell anybody, but that afternoon I said, you know what? I have time free. Let's go to lunch. So I went to lunch. Went to Chili's. We went to Chili's. In the 90s, that was was good stuff. (laughs) And uh, we're sitting there, and I drew on the napkin the idea of the logo. And if you look at the logo, it was just going to be a summer camp. It's Creative Kids Camp, which was going to be a summer camp that we were going to launch. And, you know, that day I said, let's sign this. And we signed it and kept it. And that's how Creative Kids kind of started becoming a company and started having a little bit of vision and, and mission to it. So Wow. Well, that's I the think crazy that's, story. I think that's amazing. When I saw the napkin, I was like, this is so <laughs> real and genuine. Like, this is how ideas start. And it's just such a rewarding thing, right, to see these kids being able to express themselves and having an outlet. Because sometimes we have so many emotions, right, but we don't have like a an outlet and that way kids have a great outlet to express their emotions and and achieve well, great things right well well I would say the other thing is I'm completely dyslexic so growing up in school the only thing I was good at was art I wasn't good at spelling my mathematics was horrible but as time evolved what what I see as 
you know, probably my disability in the past has become my ability. And, you know, in the old days in the school system, they didn't look at that. Yeah, you know, I agree. And they didn't, they didn't understand some of the, you know, I guess, obstacles that you have when you have dyslexia. Mm-hmm. And it just heightens other senses. And I find that kids have other skill sets because one has to come out. And so that's why I'm very happy to provide that for kids now because it really shows what they got inside and gives them a platform to speak. So I think yeah. it's not only for therapy, but it's also, it's, it's being lost. These kids have a lot of talent and, you know, I would say 90% of what art is, it's movies. It's the shirt you're wearing. It's your room, the door, the, the yeah. car you drive. Everything there was a drawing before it became reality. And so I don't think people observe the power of art, but it's around you everywhere. And that gives a lot of opportunities for jobs and, and other access for kids. So, What you're saying reminds me of the story of my cousin. He was very, like, he, like you just mentioned, like, he was not good at, like, the basic curriculum right and my I remember my aunt being so worried about him like when he was transitioning to college and he said to my aunt you know what trust me like I got this and now he's one of the greatest like architects in Mexico City you know because because but he had someone like you guys like he had those classes that really pushed him to have this outlet where he could use his um, abilities and really like became what he he's now right um but yeah so yeah I definitely agree with you like having that creative side that maybe it's not as normalized but it's getting better I think it's getting better right it is yeah (laughs) it definitely is and that's a great story yeah so now I want to get a little bit into what non-traditional therapies are um at the FRC we're big fans of non-traditional therapies and we like to provide a different area of of non-traditional therapies for our participants so what would your definition for non-traditional therapy be? Well, I think when when we're talking about therapies, like how do you feel? Are you okay? What we're talking about is not focusing on the negative, but bringing out the positive and creating a relationship where a kid feels safe to talk and, and grow that relationship into a friendship. And with that, you can be a mentor, you can be somebody you can bounce ideas off. It's a springboard for kids to feel comfortable in coming to you or talking to their parents or, you know, not only talking about their artwork, but some of the things that they feel. And that normally does not come out in school or you don't just, you know, tell your friends sometimes. But when you build those relationships and art is one of those tools that we use to do that, that opens a two way conversation where somebody's listening and somebody's speaking. And then you go back and forth with that conversation. Now, what we've noticed in in the process of art, it really generates that space for kids to feel free and and kind of secure with, with giving us the truth. And so we've used it. I mean, there is art therapy and we're not art therapists. We are just using art as a tool to bring out the best and hopefully create something that a kid feels proud of and and communicates with so that's non-traditional the traditional therapy would be all right I want you to draw this house what does the house mean you know we don't want to get into that we we want you to feel comfortable we're not here to analyze you we have no bet on if you're healthy or not healthy we're just here to be um I guess 
a supporter in, in anything you want to do, whether it's pursuing art or sharing something with us, that's, that's what we're here for. And, and art is therapeutic. Um, and a lot of times, you know, cause we work with like with the FRC and then we have our program with the pediatric oncology patients, which a lot of times, and then our program in Fabens with, you know, severely economically distressed families, um, a lot of that comes out in their artwork without us even asking or pushing for it. And so, um, so, so when we get that sometimes, that's when we kind of look a little deeper. And then if we need to, we refer them out. Or if we see it's something, you know, it's a little more, um, you know, higher level, something that we can't really tackle or, you know, are trained to tackle. Yeah. And over the years, we've seen kids, you know, that passed away from cancer and the struggles that their families have gone through. We've seen kids that are ashamed to tell us that they've been beaten before or that they're having problems at home and it comes out and then we have a way to talk about it. Now we're not here to judge you on that. Um, and that's just the way we do it. We focus on the positive. We, we give you support. And then usually somewhere along the line, that bridge comes out and they say, look, this is what's going on. And I have to tell you. And even last week, um, uh, we're still running our program at Providence Children's Hospital. And luckily we have Ana Alberto, who's a child life specialist, who's on our team that teaches the FRC program as well on the weekends. Yeah. But she's also able to work with our pediatric oncology patients as well during the week. And last week we had just posted a beautiful um, collage done by Mia, who's a cystic fibrosis, I call her warrior, because she's just been battling this since birth. This painting, this collage, like, blew me away. Like, I get emotional talking about it. It's just this beautiful uh, butterfly, but the body is her lungs. Um, and so Anna just said it's something that she's feeling, and, and it's making her feel free, flying with these lungs and the and the butterfly. And it's just, yeah. you know, these are things that are helpful and it's emotionally. It's amazing that she's able to, you know, be going up against that challenge in life and looking at death in the face, and she's saying what she wants to say in an image. It's amazing. <laughs> That's so powerful for like a little kid, right? They're little humans, right? And they have emotions and they need to express these emotions and they're going through this thing. So what a great way to say through a picture. And I, and I think children are so creative and thank you so much for sharing that story with us. Um, and I love that you mentioned right now, Stephen, that you guys are not there to analyze something. You're not right. there to criticize. And I think maybe when I saw, like, even our staff, right, they were like, because we actually, we took a class with Stephen and Andrea for our FRC staff, and um, we took a session with them, and some of our staff were like, oh, I don't know how to draw. And <laughs> I was like, guys, yeah. they're not there to criticize us. Like, they're there to provide this outlet to express what we're feeling and that's such a cool thing. It's And when you guys did that, that gives us the opportunity to communicate. Like after that, you're like, oh, we get what you guys are. Yeah. Right. And, th- and that's what we're providing for the kids. We get who you are. And it's getting even better because what you experienced in your fear, you overcame it. And it's like, I'm afraid to do it. And that was your first lesson. So imagine a kid that's going through our program together and what they're going to get out of this process that we're providing. And they're facing a lot of things. But the first thing is everybody goes, I can't do it. Well, in the first session, you can do it. You learn that. And so that's a beautiful thing for kids to have. 
Yeah, and for for the people who are listening right now, um, like I said, FRC is a big fan of non-traditional therapies, and we believe it's a great segue to traditional therapy. So like Stephen and Dre are saying, expressing these emotions, and it creates like a relationship and a connection, and that way you can address some of the things that you're feeling through traditional therapy. So it starts by little steps right there. Like it's not as scary, right? Our therapy is not as scary or equine therapy. We have a different options in, in, at the FRC and then you get started. Now, my next question would be now, if you can share your expertise with us, there's so many options provided, right? And I know even you guys, like you provide a different outlets and different methods of art. How do I know what's the best non-traditional therapy for me? What will you say to the public? I think everybody is different. You know, I can't, I can't tell you what to do. I think it's that, you know, part of the partnership that we have is that we're feeling out what, what their needs are. And, you know, if you're not into art, that's okay. If you're into soccer, then you should do that because you're going to put your passion towards it. And it's really about listening to finding out what somebody's interested in and then adapting and offering suggestions or uh, just kind of pointing them on their mission and vision of what they're saying to you. It's not about saying, oh, I have this program. You should do it. It's like, are you interested in that? You want to put your energy into that, your passion into that. And I think that's how we figure out if you're a good fit for the program. And, you know, some kids come in and they're like, no, nah, I don't want to do it. And then they get into it. They're like, oh, I love it. I want to do more of that. So I think it's a balance. You know, sometimes I have to push you into it, knowing that you're going to love it. And sometimes you have to listen, you know, and I think that's the most powerful way to, to judge if somebody's going to be good for our, our programming or what we're offering in our curriculum. But it's also um, sometimes I find these tough cookies or, or nuts to crack, as I call them, that I kind of have to dig in. And once you open it up, then you figure out the passions in there. So I kind of can feel it out after 22 years. I can f- figure out if you're into it or not. And, and I think, you know, by the first session or the first class, if it's a good fit for you. And then we've had an extra layer of, I don't want to say difficulty, but with COVID, you know, this program with you guys was supposed to be in person at the gallery on Saturdays. Yeah. And so we had to kick it off virtually. Um, so we kind of have that. So there's kids that have never been in this program or an art program. And so to try to do this from a distance, I mean, it's working. Um, but, you know, it's hard to get some of the kids that have never been participating in a, a program like this um, to understand the foundations. But it, it, it's getting there and we're on month two. And so those kids have stayed and I'm creating really beautiful work. And I think the first thing that we tell them to figure out, we tell them we're not a school. We want you to know, like, I'm not your teacher. I'm not giving you an A or an F, right? I'm giving you an opportunity to have fun and express yourself. Doesn't matter. If you, if you do your best, you're only going to get better with practice and you can't fail. There is no failing here. So I think once those barriers and understandings are laid out, then you just see people say, yeah, I'm in. This isn't school, right? No, it's not school. We're here to have fun. We're here to learn. And and I think that's part of, of what we communicate, why kids want to be a part of it, you know? And now what you're mentioning reminds me of something. I know parents are listening and maybe they're interested in having their child participate in something like this, like art therapy or 
a different type of therapy? How can a parent um, encourage their child? You know, you, you provided that information that, well, you tell them that it's not a school, you know, something like that. But how, how can parents have that initial conversation with their children? I think the first one is, is what my mom did to me. She goes, Miko, you're really good at this. I think you should learn. I was like, okay, but where do I go to find that? Well, creative kids. Oh, Miko, I think this is a great way for you to kind of make some sculpture. This is better than school. Why don't we go down there and check it out? Or why don't we look at their website? Or why don't we see what you can do? Because like, you're a great drawer. I bet you they'd love to have you. So those conversations that happen with the parent shouldn't be forced. It should be positive feedback. It should be like, you're really good at that. This is a place I think you do a little bit better because they know what they're doing and they can teach you. And I think you should, you know, try it. See if you like it. And those are the things I, you know, I hate when parents say, oh, you're going to do this because all you're doing is you're setting a roadblock up for me later to break down. It's like, if they want to come, they'll get it. And I think the website and some of the art we've made is a great way to encourage them. Yeah, and we also encourage parents, I mean, not now because of COVID, but to come down to the gallery on the weekend. We have our Saturday program running. You can see the kids in action, what they're doing. You know, the gallery is filled with all the work made by the kids in our different programs. Yeah. So they can get a sense of, of what we're doing uh, before they jump in and commit. And not everyone likes, you know, not everyone's into the art program. And sometimes parents, I think, like, you're going to do this and you know, and then the kid's miserable and we can tell. And so that's when we have the conversation. Like, I'm not sure this is what. Did your mom make you do this? <laughs> Talk to me. I'll, I'll, I'll tell her she's bad. <laughs> Just tell me. Do you want to be here? Let's talk. And it's like, that. no, I don't want to, I didn't want to be here, but now I like it. After a while, they pick up the energy because I kind of drop it with, with some humor and some stuff I've done over the years. And it's like, well, I'll give it more of a chance. I, I'll try again. Um, and I think that's, that's the way they go, well, you're cool. I'll come back and see you one more time, Steven, and see if it's worth it. And I'm like, okay, you know, give me another shot. I'm here. You know, if you want to come back, you know where I live. We're good. And I think when you walk in the gallery, there is an energy and they're like, whoa, this place is crazy. And it's super cool. Your gallery is super cool. Like I remember going when I was a college student for some, and I was like, wow, this is such a cool place to be. Like if I was a child, that would be here every Saturday. Right. Yeah. I know. And, then, and we also try to do, we get, um, we've been commissioned lately to do some large scale public art projects. And so that's the fun thing too. That's also like the carrot. We're like, Hey guys, if you stick with this, like, you know, we just did the Carolina bridge back in December and, and we had 10 kids participate every Saturday and help build this beautiful permanent sculpture. Um, I would also add, I've had people come to me and say, I want to do fashion design. I'm yeah. like, well, that sounds cool. <laughs> How do we do that? They're like, okay, well, can we talk about it? I'm like, yeah, we could definitely talk about it. So mm -hmm. it's like, well, yeah, that's another art form. I mean, I'm not a fashion designer, but if you want to put energy into it, maybe we can set up some programming. Mm -hmm. Really? We could do that? And it's encouraging, right? Yeah. I've had kids talk about, I want to have a skateboard shop and build my own decks. I want to make stickers. You know, I, I want to cook. We, we used to have, you know, culinary classes where kids would come in and cook. Oh, I love iPads. I mean, that's mainly where our curriculum comes from. It's from listening to kids and seeing where they want to put their passion. 
Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. I think that's that's part of the energy that's in there as well. Um, I don't know how you feel about that, but that's what I think. Mm-hmm. When I get in there, it's like, ooh, it's it's fun. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do today? Yeah. And you never know what's going to happen. And, and I think that's the electricity that's in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most definitely. Now, I know some of our listeners would like to um, know this. What is the difference between a session with you guys and a regular art class well there's two there's two different things that are happening when you take our curriculum it's higher grade material it's a conversation about three-dimensional two-dimensional real art technique it's an educational process in which you're really elevated we're treating you like a college student we're not treating you like you're in fourth grade you're learning stuff that i learned in college and you're learning it way earlier than i am Because if you do, by the time you get to college and want to pursue architecture, engineering, or any of these facets, you already have the tools to succeed. And the other thing is that we're hopeful that you keep making art. So you might be getting it at school. You might be doing it on your own time. And this supplements and answers some of the questions you need to overcome those hurdles in art, but also develop as, as a person. And, and that's what we're providing that's so different. Plus, there's mathematics. There's art history that's happening. There's English that's happening. You're learning about missions and strategies and leadership tools how to pivot, what are the guidelines, what's my syllabus, all these things that you can carry on in your life and as you pursue higher education or or anything you want. And one thing uh, I'd like to add during COVID, since we've been doing everything virtually, um, so we make these art kits that goes to all the participants and something we didn't see come out of this has become a whole family bond, like the whole family, parents, brothers, they all want to get into it together. Oh, yes, yes. And so now we're making art kits for the parents and so it's nice to see the whole family working together on this. Yeah. Um, when, when, you know, traditionally when our art classes, we don't let the parents stay because they're like, mijo, over their shoulder, like do this, do that. So we had to like cut parents out, you know, for obvious reasons because yeah. it was holding kids back. But to see this virtually and parents asking for it and families wanting to do it together, I think has also been something. And I, I would that, say that that's, you know, the best part is that that's happening. But that's because of our staff, Gabby and Eric and, and Anna that are really giving in this program and they've created that term. We have never had parents and kids making stuff in this capacity and over a Zoom, which is <laughs> yeah. like, okay, that's nuts. <laughs> and, and, it, and we're seeing a lot of positivity come out of that. You know, we've had projects with parents and kids that work together, like on big public work. But I got to say, Gabby and Drea and everybody on the team that's working, they did put in the energy to get that out. And, yeah. and it's working. Yeah. But we've seen that with our participants, like our parents are asking, hey, can we be part of this uh, art class? And we're like, um, yeah, but let me just and, and we know there's a need because and that's beautiful. Right. And I think that's the positive side of this pandemic, that it's really bringing families together, sometimes two together. <laughs> right. <laughs> like after six months, like, yeah. I love well, you. <laughs> this was the challenge. I mean, we were trying to and I, I don't know for communicating this well we have adults that don't have kids that want to learn art yes yes and what they were saying is well we're creative kids our curriculum that we're teaching is for kids to succeed if we're going to develop another curriculum for adults that's a whole different environment 
So we're hopeful in the, in the future that that might be entertained by the RFC to look at that environment and say, look, they're getting positive results with the kids and the families. Maybe we should also apply this to the adults. And that's a different cur- uh, curriculum. And that's a different conversation. You know, I can't talk to a, you know, a eighth grader the way I talk to an adult that's probably seen a lot of challenges, um, you know, especially with the August 3rd tragedy. And, and I would not even assume to use that same curriculum. Right. So, but I, I, you know, thankful to Gabby, it might go there because people are asking for it. Yeah, so, we're really asking for it. I know. And this past Stay month. tuned. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I don't know. It could be it. <laughs> You know, we're creative kids, but we don't mind. And this program, yeah, it's growing in its own capacity. I mean, if people want it, that's what we're here for. Well, I think that's the neat thing about COVID, you know, besides the tragedy around it. But I think it's given people a way in organizations to not do things that you've always done the same way. Like we've had to change and pivot and do things differently. And so this is part of it, you know? Yeah. Um, and making those art kits this past month and giving them to some of the parents that are in the program, um, the Resiliency Art Program, like it was neat to see parents asking if they could get one too. Um, and then last week, Gabby did a special art project with the parents, um, just yeah. so they too can kind of like what we did with the staff at FRC, just so they can see what their kids are getting and um because yeah. you know they're our biggest ambassadors at this point. I think like when we worked with you guys and it, and you could see the value, right? It it just hits you in the face. You're like, wow, that's cool. I want more people to have that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to promote that. Mm-hmm. Now, if we could do that for what we're doing over Zoom to parents, then the parents go, you know what, Mijo, I got a lot out of that. Mm-hmm. I want you to continue doing it, and I'm going to yeah, do correct. it with you. Mm-hmm. And and because they understand our process and they're respecting what we're trying to do for them. So I think it's important to communicate correctly, to create that relationship. And that's why we do those things is, mm-hmm. is to, to create that bridge like we're talking about. This is United and Resilient. We'll be right back. Hi, my name is Cita Lee Mendoza. I am currently the Family Resiliency Center's director. And what was I doing August 3rd, 2019? Well, for me, it was a usual Saturday morning of soccer games. My son plays soccer, and we would usually go have breakfast with the family after that. We had planned to do some back-to-school shopping, so we knew it was going to be a long day. Uh, My sister-in-law was in town, so we had decided to go to one of the most popular Mexican local restaurants, as we knew we couldn't fail in providing her a good Mexican breakfast for that morning. We went about having our breakfast and as we were finishing, I received the first text from an ex-co-worker who used to be law enforcement about an active shooter in the Cielo Vista Mall area. I didn't think much about it and thought it was more of a single event and something that we would get clarification about it later. But as we were leaving the restaurant, we got the second text. This time she mentioned the active shooter in Walmart and that there were some fatalities. At that point, we got a little concerned and we decided to go drop off my sister-in-law at my mother-in-law's and decided to go home. We would postpone our back to school shopping for another day or at least until we knew and we had more clarification of what was going on. As we drove to my mother-in-law's house, we passed around that area and I could see a lot of police officers, cars, ambulances approaching the area. 
We knew at that moment something was up and it was a lot more serious than we had originally thought. A lot more messages started pouring in and I began to feel a little threatened to be out in the street. So we decided to immediately, once again, go home. As we got home, it was maybe about an hour and a half later, the same ex-co-worker sent a text asking me if I would be able to recruit several clinicians to go to the reunification center. At this time, it would be at MacArthur Middle School. At that time, I spoke to my husband. I remember telling him, you know what, I have to be there. He said, do what you got to do. Just please be careful. I texted and recruited several of the clinicians that at that moment, they did not hesitate to want to go and help out in any way, shape or form they could. As a clinician, I knew that I was going to be encountering a lot of things, specifically with trauma, shock, crisis, but I was ready to help and I was wanted to be there. The reunification center was a center where they were directing the families to go there if they were not able to find their loved ones or if they knew they had been in Cielo Vista or um, Walmart during that morning. After spending all day Saturday with no major updates, but only seeing some faces of desperation, a lot of questions, the day had been gone with just some simple texts and had ended with a lot of questions and a lot of things going on clear. We were sent home shortly after midnight telling us to go rest. We were supposed to come back and report on Sunday when we would start all over again. Sunday was a different story. We had some notification and now the FBI had provided victims assistance program with a list of the deceased. We knew at this moment as clinicians, we were gonna be providing a lot of crisis intervention after the shocking news provided to these family members. Crisis intervention is the least. We saw people running out in despair. I saw people asking why and just hugging me for no reason. Several days passed and there was a somber feeling. I knew that there was more that had to be done. I knew I had to help. I reached out to the one and only Dr. Ignacio Nacho Jarero, who is a guru in the provision of EMDR therapy. EMDR therapy is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy. I called him to ask for his advice. I called him to ask him, you know, for any suggestions, any feedback. And without any hesitation, and in the kindness of his heart, he agreed to come down and help facilitate some groups for the community, open and free to all the community. At that moment, once again, I used my resources to recruit other clinicians who were trained in the therapeutic approach and asked them if they would help facilitate the groups. Once again, without hesitation, they asked, how can I help? I wanna be there, I wanna help. That was the beginning of the therapeutic groups, which we labeled Healing El Paso, and in Spanish, Sanando El Paso. We held three days, three groups each day, with anybody that had been impacted, affected, could come not only to do the group therapy, but also be able to have the opportunity, if needed, to talk to a clinician. Any licensed clinician was able to help. At this moment, we knew that we had a long road to recovery. Again, as a clinician, I know how impactful this was only not to me, but to the community. I can only hope that we continue healing. After all this time, I know we have made progress and I know we still have a lot to make. I am only hoping that we can continue healing as a community, but most important that we will grow from this and we will encounter any difficulty with the kindness of our heart and the love that we have for El Paso.
Now, I know we've mentioned it a couple of times now, but I want the audience to know what is the resilience art project that Creative Kids has provided for the community? So originally, um, our ex-board president, Carrie Moe, she had gotten a grant um, to do through um, the Alumni Ties. It's a, a State Department program. Um, and so she... Uh, got this grant to kind of help with the the August 3rd tragedy. It was just to do something for the community. So it was supposed to kick off in March. Um, and so, of course, we couldn't get it going. So we did stuff virtually and we created a website um, that showcases all the work that we did around that with the participants at home, making artpossible.com. You can see it. Um, and so from there, um, that's when, you know, the FRC reached out to us if we'd like to collaborate. And they said, well, we have a perfect tie-in because we were just trying to get this going. Um, and so, yeah, we were able to work together and come up with this program. And so, you know, it was supposed to be every Saturday at the gallery, as I mentioned earlier, um, but we can't at this moment. So we're doing it virtually through Zoom every Saturday. Um, and so we're working with the FRC and the referrals from you. And then also it's open to the community for anyone that was affected. Um, and so we're working every Saturday. Uh, we have, so originally it was just two instructors. The It's just been uh, like phenomenal, the, the outpouring of people wanting to join. So we've had add a third teaching artist, which is great to just, you know, with keep up with the demand. And so, you know, we're working with the, um, the children and the families that were affected. And so our goal is um, to have a culmination of all the work that's being done throughout this year. We will have an exhibit, hopefully in person, at the gallery around August 3rd, 2021. Uh, yeah, and also that we're, we're going to start publicizing all their stuff on our social media to encourage them and make them rock stars. And we're going <laughs> to you know, support them in any way. And if that's another reward for them, we're going to have it virtually. We're starting a new learn upon uh, platform that I think is going to be really good. Um, and hopefully we can encourage more of El Paso in the marketing and media to pick up on the programming that we're doing together and hopefully encourage the kids more to participate. So, yeah, because when I was in, in preparation for this interview, I was thinking, you know, the- People really like connect with creative therapy and specifically with art therapy, right? I see, I don't know what's your opinion on this, but I always see those coloring books for adults, right? Like, yeah. and, <laughs> and like a lot of kids. And um, so there's, there's a need for that. And, and I love that we are providing that for our community. Um, now, and I know you touched a little bit about this, uh, Stephen, but I want to understand a little bit about the process. Um, how do you tailor sessions to meet the participant needs? What are the methods throughout a class and how do you make sure like all of those needs are met? Well, my, my first method is to beat boredom. Like I don't want you doing the same thing every week. So I'm going to throw a sculpture at you. I'm going to do watercolor. We're going to do a drawing. You're going to learn which one you like. Then I'm going to ask you, which one did you like the best? Then I'm going to start figuring out what my group likes. Who are these people? What do they want to do? What are you guys interested in? Do you want to do a canvas again? Yeah, I want to paint. Okay, then we'll do that. Because there's so much that goes into a canvas. It could be a landscape. It could be a portrait. It could go into a city. We could change the subject matter. 
we could uh, do something that's a sculpture. I can give you the opportunity of going outside and collecting a rock. So you could just go outside and see one day. And it's like, that's cool. I've never done that on a Zoom. I'm like, yeah, go do that for a little bit. So I try to change it up and they never know what's coming. And hopefully they're anticipating their bag being dropped with their materials and saying, what's going to be this month? And why am I doing this? Well, I'm doing this because this technique is going to make you better. This technique is something you should learn. This technique is fun. This technique is what I learned in school. This technique, you can give a great birthday present to your mom if you want, because now you've made something beautiful and you did it. So that that's kind of the core of the curriculum. It's listening, but it's also teaching a high-end art technique with high-end material and letting them kind of, I don't know what's in the bag this time. I, I love that mystery, and I think it provides a little bit of intrigue for the kids and excitement. So <laughs> that's what's in it. You Can know? it be your students, Stephen? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. If, if that other program takes off, you definitely could be my student. I would love it. <laughs> now, um, now that we're talking about curriculum, what does the curriculum for the Resilience Art Project look like? Well, it, it is going through the seasons of where we're at now. So we have October coming. And one of the things that happens when we start getting to fall, right, kids want to relate to the pumpkin, the Christmas tree. So we're giving them a different twist on those things. Like we're doing some uh, Day of the Dead little figurines that are going to be done out of clay that okay. actually have history behind it. They can write a story about that person. It could be the dog. It could be whatever. And what they're getting into is just a little bit about who grandma was. Who, who's your brother? Who do you admire? Let's build this three-dimensional sculpture, and this is how you do it. So that's one. Another one is working with pumpkins, you know, and looking at painting a pumpkin, carving a pumpkin, having a little bit of fun, because it doesn't always have to be about work and what am I learning and <laughs> I want to learn. No, sometimes it's got to be about, okay, let's just have a blast. And yeah. like for August, when we kicked off the program, we really, you know, no one knew each other. These are all new instructors, new students, you know, no one knew each other. So we really did it around who you are. Like the first um, session was making artwork, these wax resists out of your name. And like, I loved hearing everyone oohs and ahs because it's just wow. a, it's a really cool process of what we do with watercolor and wax resist. Yeah. Um, so that was one of them. And then you talk about your name and where it came from and, you know, so everyone can learn about each other and then that following week we did um the fam our family is a rock steve was talking about the rocks you had to go out and find as many rocks as you wanted that would represent your family and then we painted each one yeah. you know tailored to each family member and you yeah, had to talk beautiful. about that so yeah so august was really just kind of like let's get to know each other and our families and then and then this month we just did a really fun sculpture, paper sculpture. Uh, I, I don't know if you've seen the agave, but yes, it was sweet, and the kids loved it. You know, it's the best to hear them like because these are projects that most people haven't, you know, um, yeah. been involved been shown in. Or done. Yeah, yeah, so it's it's been it's been fun. Yeah, that's the secret. That's the secret sauce: is make it fun, make it something you want more of. And that you don't know what's coming. That's what our curriculum's about. See, I'm telling you, Stephen, I need to be your student. <laughs> ready. <laughs> now, um, well, of course, we, we've created this podcast because we understand that August 3rd was something that impacted uh, 
our whole community, Ciudad Juarez, El Paso, and our surrounding areas. Um, so how can these sessions be beneficial for, for people who were impacted directly or indirectly by August 3rd? Well, I think, you know, it's, it's a distraction and it's a positive reinforcement that you have skills. There's other things coming. There, it brings out things they didn't even know they had. It's something that they have community with where they can get on the Zoom together and make something together and have that bond. I think it does a lot of things that people aren't taking really account of. And that's not really what we want to focus on. I think it's more about as you go, you're like, oh, wow. This is what this has been about. And it's like, cool. I had fun doing it. It taught me something. And look at this painting I did. And it's it's just that positive reinforcement. But it's doing a lot of other little things that add up to a reward and, and something inside that helps you, I think. Yeah, and I think, you know, next August when we can showcase everyone's work together and what they've done together as you know our little mini community on our zooms um i think it's going to be so powerful and emotional because we've been now we're getting to know each other and everyone has their friends now and so i just think it's (laughs) been you know it's just been neat to see to blossom over the last i think we're on week six and and i should tell you as we go on in the program some of that stuff is going to come out and it's going to say something powerful Mm -hmm. to this community and it's going to be showcased and people go wow so that's what that and we should also mention in a couple months we're going to start doing some big large-scale projects that everyone has to be doing it you know it's going to be everyone together as one yeah Um, i don't want to give it away just yet but because that's (laughs) part of our secret but it's really cool when we tease you (laughs) it's going to be really neat and everyone's going to work on it together to make one huge but i can tell you two little hints (laughs) they are bigger than your car and there's 10 of them (laughs) and they'll probably be in El Paso permanently showcased. (laughs) I can tell you that. Well, we'll need to stay tuned to your social media then because I can't wait to see those. I really can't wait. It's going to be killer. I'm really excited. Yeah. (laughs) Well, now my next question would be, um, I see a lot of anxiety right now with parents and children now that they're going back to school. And you mentioned, Rhea, right now, before this interview, you were with your own kids, like doing the virtual learning. So I know there's a lot of anxiety of going back to school, not going back to school. Um, and then I saw an announcement by the EPISD that now they're like canceling um homework and stuff like that so now that everything is virtual how can we help kids like still be engaged in this art classes and then also having that engagement with school how can we balance everything out that's a that's a very good question because I'm afraid of burnout I see it in my own daughter and and being on a screen all day is not very good I mean I (laughs) You know, and, and hopefully the kids see that we're not a school program, that we're there for them. And it's not like you have to be there. We want you there. We want you to make good stuff. That's what we're hopeful, that we retain the kids by keeping it fun and light and informative. But I will tell you, that's one of the things I'm worried about is burnout, you know? But what we do, too, in these art kits that everyone gets, there's extra materials in there. And we, at the end of each session... Uh, like Miss Anna is like, okay, you have, you know, I'm just tissue paper and you have a glue stick and okay, on your off time, 
you know, during the week, I want you to do some free art and make this, 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 and that. And, you know, they're not on a screen watching her do it. It's just them to do on their own. And then the next Saturday they show what they made. So we're hoping to give, you know, with the extra materials, they have some more free time off a screen, being creative in their own uh, little world. Um, And then we also do weekly check-ins one-on-ones with the students just offline it's just a phone call or if they'd like a zoom just how are you doing is everything okay anything we can help you with and i think we're trying to create a curriculum that they'll do a little bit after school when they clock out that they can draw do something fun have some rewards in there so there's incentives to be part of the program and connect um and we're, got, we're thinking of different strategies to really retain our kids because I, I can tell you it's tough. And, and the parents do. They're like, yeah, <laughs> I don't want to do another one. Another one, Steven? Yeah. It's like, come on, this one's fun. It's not the same. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's going to be a challenge. I, I could see that. And we see it in our own daughter, you know. Yeah. Yeah, no, most of, and like even me, right? I'm used to being in front of a computer. I came right out of college. I know what's being in front of a computer, <laughs> but it's still like during like um, home office and all that stuff, it's overwhelming. So I can understand that for a kid can also be overwhelming. Now, I know that we talked about this, but I want to go a little more in depth. We talked about like how our therapy can be engaging to also to the full family and right that parents also want to be engaged. So how can uh, parents keep that momentum? How can what would be your like tips of keeping that engagement and having that family be involved in this activity? Positivity. You 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 talk about the artwork, how great they are, that they never knew that you could draw. All of that positive reinforcement means I want to do more of that because somebody's telling me I'm good at it. I would say everything should be positive because the only negative that's going to be encouraging is probably not going to make somebody go and want to do it again. It's like, oh, that was it. You don't want to do that. I mean, especially in this environment, I think it's always positive feedback. It's asking questions. How did you do that? Why did you make that? Who taught you that? Wow, you're good at that. All the, all the that's that you could think of. I love that. You know, every that that you could think of. And the excitement of, you know, each Saturday is something different. So we're not coming back to an old project. It's hey, what's going to happen this weekend? And, you know, getting them excited and Mm -hmm. so they can be engaged. And it's also, you know, the other part is having a conversation. Did you have fun? What did you learn today? How did you do that? All all those things that are asking questions, they're saying, oh, you really care? You really care what I did? Yes, that works. Awesome. And now I know there's a question about, like, because he said you, you guys with the Resilience Art Project, um, you've been doing it for six weeks. So is there like a termination or how does it work? Like how long can a kid be involved in art therapy or art session? So for this um, um, collaboration with you all, we're doing cohorts of four for the year. And so right now we have our first cohort um, of, what are we at? I think we have 35 participants right now. Yeah. Um, and so we have them going until December. Uh, And then after December, we'll be able to bring in a new cohort of FRC participants or anyone in the community. At this time, we have a waiting list. Um, There was just this huge, overwhelming response to it, which is great. Um, And so, and also I have to say, because I I mentioned this in our 
our talk on Monday, um, you know, because it's also open to anyone in the community that may not be receiving services from the FRC, but they were affected. And so we're taking them too. Um, but we also have had an influx of referrals from the FRC. And so we're taking, you know, the FRC uh, referrals as a priority because these are the people that were directly affected. Um, and so we're making sure we're servicing the FRC uh, first. And then the ones that were indirectly, you know, they're also mixed in with this program. Um, but yeah, so we'll be able to, so every four months we have a new cohort. Um, so the goal is to serve 75 participants by the end of July. And then we'll have our um, big culmination of exhibits in August 2021. But to tell you quite frankly, my hope is to grow this program next year because people, especially our team and your team, yeah. will look at it and say, how do we stretch these dollars to keep these people engaged? Yeah. You know, and there is a capacity with Zoom. You can only do so much with it. So we would have to hire more instructors. We need more money for material. We need, but we are seeing a positive thing that I think in the future, like we want to grow to that. I want to retain these artists and those relationships. Um, and we just didn't see this coming where everybody's like, we love you. <laughs> and I was like, okay, uh, we'll try. And I, we even had to pull in Steve last month to take a cohort of, of yeah. <laughs> seven kids. Cause we just had so many that we just didn't want to turn and they're people away. They're different age groups and they need different things. And so, I mean, it's, it's going to be tough to figure that out, but I think yeah. in the future we will. I think it's going to become something good. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Um, now that we talked about what is our therapy, what are these our, our sessions about, what what would you say to someone who is interested, who are, who's listening to a parent who is like, you know what, this sounds like something that can my son or my, my, my daughter can benefit from. What would you say to those parents? I would encourage them to talk to their kids first and make sure that they really want to be a part of this program because we want the slots, like we talked about before, filled with passion and kids that want to be there. I would also tell them, you know, this is a real great opportunity to open up another door that your kid has probably not seen in themselves. And you really have to ask the right questions. But we are definitely here. I would call us, call you and figure out if you're a good fit and when you fit in and where's your slot and sign up as quick as you can. That's what I would do. Awesome. Thank you so much. So as we mentioned during this interview, art can be a great outlet to express emotions and to have that conversation. And most of all, that safe space, right? Because all of these kids who are going through your program through Creative Kids are finding a, a safe space where they can express all of their emotions and their emotions are truly valid. So and I like to ask this question to everyone who goes through this podcast. What would be a message of hope you would like to give to the community? Um, I think, you know, what happened to us last year, I say, you know, it bent us, but it didn't break us. And El Paso is just a special Gosh, you get me every time. It's just El Paso is so special and this community, it's like no other. And so, you know, we are in it together and to the end. And it's just such a beautiful place to be a part of. Um, and just know, you know, what, what happened is just making us stronger and even closer. Yeah, and I would follow that up with like, this is going to be something that we'll never forget, the pandemic and some other things that have happened to us. And if we can get through this, and we are, 
we're going to learn so much about ourselves. We're going to connect in different ways. It's going to be positive. We just got to hold on. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank you for everything that you do for our children. I, like I said, I've known you guys since I was a college student. And <laughs> right when I walked into your gallery, I was like, wow, this is such a cool place. And I'm so glad that our children from this community have this outlet and have this place where they can go and be kids and just express what they're feeling. So thank you so much for your commitment to the community and for being here with us. It was truly awesome learning more about what you guys do. Thank you so much. Well, thank Thanks you. for having us. And this partnership has been a great one. So we're looking forward to the future. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I can't wait. And remind yourself, you can be my student in the future. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Oh, gosh. Thank you so, okay. so much, guys. It was great. All thank right. you. Take, Take care. care. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this content serves you and your loved ones as well. If you enjoyed our podcast, please do not forget to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at El Paso United FRC. To learn more about our commitment to the community's long-term recovery, please join us on the next episode.